You know how things just don't go as planned. I have sat down and tried to record this episode multiple times over this past week, but life and kids and other responsibilities I have prioritized. Today I'm just going to speak from my heart. And what God's put on my heart this week has come from several messages I've gotten from friends and listeners who have requested prayer for certain things. And honestly, I just want to talk about how God sees you. He sees you. He sees me. He sees what we're going through and how he meets us where we are. So go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. So raise your hand if you are a busy working mom or wife and you just feel like your relationship with God is one more thing that's added to your plate that you have to do, that you have to find the time, that you have to prioritize over something else and therefore that messes up your whole to-do list and you just feel like you don't even have the time or the energy and you wish it were so much easier. What if I told you there is a way? There is a way to understand that we don't have to try so hard. That it's not in our strength and our abilities, but he comes down and meets us where we're at. Can you imagine Jesus standing next to you while you're washing the dishes? Can you picture him sitting in the passenger seat of your car as your kids are fighting again in the back seat? Or imagine him sitting next to you on your bed as you're crying because you're just overwhelmed with grief or feeling lost or broken. Listen, Linda, I have been there in that moment at my rock bottom feeling so alone and isolated. Isolated probably because I didn't want anyone to know where I was at. I didn't want to open up to anyone. I didn't know who to talk to or how to seek out wisdom and counsel. I just wanted to curl up in a cocoon. I just wanted to sleep all day. But Jesus was right there with me. And if you're a parent, you might understand how much Jesus's heart hurts when one of his children is hurt. If you have kids, picture your kid going through a difficult experience, wishing you could take that pain away from them, knowing that they're learning an, a valuable lesson, but your heart breaks for them having to go through that. That's how Jesus feels about us. He's right there with us, holding us, rubbing our backs, making us feel better, and just crying with us. When Jesus' friend died, 
He went to comfort his friends, Martha and Mary, who had just lost their brother, and he wept with them. He joined them in their sorrow and in their suffering and in their their pain and grief. And he does the same for us. He comes right where we are in the middle of our worst to comfort us and to give us hope. In a Bible study that I took a while ago, it was on the names of God. And my favorite name that I remember to this day is Elroy. Elroy means the God who sees. He is the God who sees your pain. He sees your grief. He sees your sin. Maybe it's sin that you're caught up in and you're trying to hide from God, but he sees you just like Adam and Eve in the garden. He was walking through the garden, probably on his daily walk that he just went on with Adam and Eve and they knew he was coming. They weren't surprised that he was walking through the garden. They had that kind of relationship with him, but when they sinned, they ran and hid in their shame and called them out of it. He sees you where you are as well, and he extends that that hand down to you. He'll do such a deep work in you that you're barely going to recognize yourself once that story is over, once that chapter of your life is over. I look back at what I've been through, and I don't recognize who I was, and I see all the work that he's done. As you're going through it, it's hard to see. It's hard to see the purpose going through the pain. It's hard to understand the grief that you're dealing with. But God sees the big picture too. He sees the purpose. He knows what he's doing. When you shift your focus from what you do or don't do, when you shift your focus away from the fact that you are short-sighted and you can't see to what Christ has already done and what he sees, that's when the healing begins is when we let go of, well, I can't see where I'm going, so I don't want to trust you. Or imagine being blindfolded. It feels so weird. Or even when you close your eyes, when your kid says, come look at this, close your eyes. You don't want to bump into anything. You probably peek if you're anything like me, just so you can make sure you know where you're going. But we have to surrender all of that to the one who sees. Elroy, the God who sees, knows exactly where our footsteps should go. God saw everything coming, everything coming. And before he even sent Jesus, he saw every single hurting person and knew and knew basically what Jesus's mission statement would be. Back in Isaiah 61, it's stated what Jesus would come to do. And again, in Luke 4, Jesus himself fulfilling the prophecy essentially gives his mission statement and he says the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed he came to heal the brokenhearted i just love all of these stories that i'm about to share with you in in a summarized way of how jesus transformed individual people's lives. He changed the narrative, he flipped the script, and he met people where they were. They didn't have to climb a mountain to come find him. They didn't have to go inside of a temple to see him, to experience him. They didn't have to sacrifice anything to be made clean. Just his presence alone and him meeting them where they were. So let's look at a couple examples. 
I think of the demonic man in the New Testament who rushes up to Jesus just by demonic possession. And Jesus doesn't run away. He doesn't scream and take off or curse him and send him away. He saw one of his children hurting. He commanded with authority that the demons come out and the man walked away clear-minded and free. I think of even the disciples, his, his closest followers in the boat during a storm, and they were panicking and didn't know what to do. And they were powerless to do anything really, but they woke Jesus up. He was right there. He was right there with them in the middle of the storm. He wasn't on a fancy yacht. He didn't skip out on that because he knew a storm was coming. He was right there in the middle of it with them. Did it prevent the storm altogether? No. But when they called on him, he did something about it. I think of Nicodemus when, you know, he's, he's pulled between starting to understand who Jesus was and really believing who Jesus says he was, but also struggling with the religion of, of that day and being a Pharisee and following all of those rules and regulations of the law. And he meets with Jesus in the dark. He sneaks out just to get close to Jesus, but he he feels like he has to sneak his way there so that no one else sees. And Jesus didn't condemn him for it. He didn't say, oh, how dare you? He met him right there and had an amazing conversation with him and pretty much left it up to Nicodemus whether or not he wanted to follow what he knew his heart was saying. Probably the most powerful ones, though, are the ones of the women. Jesus cared about women. He often revealed things to others. He obviously revealed the coming of the Messiah through a young girl. He comforted and accepted the sacrifice of the woman who poured her perfume on his feet while others looked on in disgust of how dare she get so close to this important man who's teaching us all these important things. She doesn't belong here. She should not be anywhere near him or even in the room, let alone at his feet, wasting all of this expensive perfume. While others looked down on her in disdain, Jesus accepted her. And that moment with him changed her life. I think about the Samaritan woman. Jesus sought her out. He planned his course for the day to purposefully and intentionally stop at that well in Samaria when no other Jew would have dared go through there. He scheduled a meeting with her and she had no idea. That's the thing is Jesus often appoints times and moments in our lives to meet with us, to transform us, so that we experience him in a personal way. And we have no idea that he's doing that. We didn't know that he was going to come meet us at this moment, but he saw it coming and he made it a point to be there. Friends, Jesus is in the middle of the healing process and right where you are, whether it's just beginning in your life is just starting to shatter or you have been in this journey for so long. The Samaritan woman was probably pretty used to going to that well by herself. If she was with her fifth husband or technically not even husband, the fifth man, she's been at it for a while. She's been living that lifestyle for a long time and feeling 
ostracized, feeling criticized and outcast and feeling like there's no hope. If something that you've been going through has been going on for a long time, there is still hope and Jesus has scheduled an appointment with you. When Jesus was sitting at the well where the woman came, she ignored him at first. And when he started to to talk to her, she skirted around the truth. She didn't want to admit anything. And so she just kind of spit out the religious jargon of, oh, you're Jewish, I'm Samaritan, so you don't belong here. What are you doing here? Or, well, the law says this. Or any excuse she could come up with to avoid dealing with her situation. But Jesus likes to make us a little bit uncomfortable. He can't start a healing work in us if we're not willing to do the uncomfortable work, which is a topic for another day. But the point is, he is right there and he is ready to meet with you and transform your life and give you hope of something that's going to last. Just like with the woman at the well, she was just relying on moving from man to man to satisfy something in her soul. And the one man that she needed to meet with met with her and gave her eternal living water that she actually was thirsting for. And again, we don't have to do much. We just have to accept what he's offering. He is waiting and ready to reveal the healed and whole person that you were meant to be. That's what he came to do, remember? He came to heal the brokenhearted, to break the chains, to release us, to heal us. And he's not afraid to get dirty. He touched lepers without any fear. He let the woman who'd been cursed for 12 years just touch the hem of his garment. And that was enough to heal her. All it takes is an experience, a moment with Jesus where we are real with our issues, where we bring our broken hearts before him like the woman with the perfume. And we don't care who's watching. We don't care what the culture says or who's saying what about us. And we tune out those voices and we just accept his presence and we sit in his presence. That's all it takes to start the healing process. Elroy, the God who sees, saw every single moment, sees every single moment coming up that you're going to need him. And he's already scheduled every moment, every meeting that you're going to need with him. All it takes is us recognizing when he's there and letting him comfort us. So don't skirt around the truth. Don't try to excuse the pain or the issues or the sin or the grief you're going through. You might feel exposed. You might feel kind of naked and raw in in front of him of, I would rather run and hide like Adam and Eve did. I just want to curl up. I don't want to deal. But in our grief and in our loss and in our pain, he's right there in that boat with us. All we got to do is call on him and he'll meet us there. You know, the ironic thing about Elroy, the God who sees, he sees who we really are. When Jesus called Simon, he, it says in um, John chapter 1, verse 42, it says, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. So there's, there's example number one of, he knows who you are. You will be called Peter. That's another bit of evidence that not only does Jesus see who we are in the moment in our circumstances, but he also sees who he's called us to be, reminds us that we belong to him and that we in fact aren't what the world says about us or aren't what our sins say or what our past scars say about us. 
And again with the woman at the well, she carried this water jar with her every day to get water at a different time of day than the rest of the women. Normally, you know, they would go in the early morning in the coolness of the day and she's out there in the heat in the middle of the day to avoid, to not deal. But when Jesus tells her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, basically saying, I'm right here, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Again, just taking recognition of who is right in front of you and that he's a gift, not anything that has been earned. And then he lets her really know that he sees her when she tries to say, I have no husband. And again, skirts around the truth because it is a truth. It's just not the whole truth. Jesus lays it out for her. He says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. (laughs) So Jesus basically says, yep, you're right. But I know the whole truth. And I see you. I see you, girl. I see you trying to make excuses or avoid dealing with me. But then he gives her hope and he says, you don't have to worry about all of the cultural protocol. All it takes to worship me is in spirit and in truth, is knowing the truth, the truth setting you free, and worshiping me in spirit. It doesn't take some fancy temple. It doesn't take some fancy performance or perfection just in your heart, in your spirit. If you're doubting that Jesus really sees you, you might hear this and think, well, that's nice. He saw you. He doesn't see me. Or that's nice that there's examples in the Bible from a long time ago, but where's the hard evidence now? I just want to remind you that what Jesus says is true. You can rely on the word of God. And the Samaritan woman, after she left her water jar there at the well. She doesn't need it anymore. It's not something that she needs to walk around with trying to fill her life with. It's a symbol of letting go of the past. She ran into town to tell everyone. I mean, basically saying, all my dirty laundry has been aired, the whole world knows, and I don't care. And Jesus knows it. And because he knows it, and he told me the truth, I can trust him because he sees me. She doesn't have to stay a broken mess, but step one is that she was vulnerable. She was seen. And it says in verse 41, John chapter 4, verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. So once we find that hope and healing, sharing it with others, we can leave the rest to him. His words do the rest of the work in us and in others. Because of his words, he's the one that says, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to break the chains. I came to release the captives and to make the blind man see. He's here to reveal our sight, to help us see that he sees us. And it just takes a moment with him, a conversation, a real and honest conversation with him. If you haven't ever or maybe haven't in a while been honest with him about where you're at. For one, just know that he sees you and he knows anyway. But the most important part is admitting, is being honest, is coming out from behind the bush and saying, yeah, this is where I'm at. And just wait and see what he's going to do. So 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.